0: Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot by with with Withrow underway. The Friday edition has arrived. Kelly in Vegas will be right here with us. Coming up later this hour, plus David Cohn, Crane and Company, former Michigan quarterback, in hour number two. Chad, a lot to get to today, as usual. Good afternoon. We reached the unofficial end of the week
1: yesterday for we're our here. show on a Thursday. Now we're at the official end of the week on a Friday. And Alabama has their man.
0: Have we officially reached the end of their coaching season? We have officially reached
1: the end last of long. it. All reports are that Kalen DeBoer has informed the administration and is meeting with his team here in about 15 minutes to tell them that he has
0: accepted the job at Alabama. How this How this played out with multiple coaches being mentioned, being called, being discussed, not necessarily officially offered, quote unquote, but the number of coaches, top tier, as Alabama would require here. Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian. There are others. Chad, did they end up with the best possible overall coach, who is the coach of the year after taking Washington 12-1, and runner-up in the national title? Well,
1: a couple things. First, once again, the ultimate winner is Jimmy Sexton, who is the ultimate yes. winner in college football at all times. Because everyone that Alabama was interested in, whether you believe they were or not, got raises in this. The last one being Mike Norvell, who officially has agreed to an eight-year extension worth more than $10 million a year to stay at Florida State after uh, uh, allegedly Alabama pursued him heavily. Now, I, I think that they pursued these coaches before settling on Kalen DeBoer. I don't know that an official offer was made or any of that, but I do believe the initial reports that Dan Lanning was their guy. They wanted initially, and it made a lot of sense for Dan Lanning, for the Alabama to want Dan Lanning. It made more sense for Dan Lanning to stay at Oregon with the financial ties he has there. No announcement yet about a raise for him, but I guarantee you he's getting one at Oregon. Same goes for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, probably getting a raise and an extension also Just happens to be a Jimmy Sexton client. The fourth name in this list is one Kalen DeBoer, who cut ties with his agent this season and signed with, you guessed it, Jimmy Sexton. And Kalen DeBoer ends up getting the job at Alabama. And yes, I think that Alabama, I think this was their fourth choice of what they wanted. I think he's the best ball coach of the bunch. He is a from the ground up type guy won NAIA National Championships at Sioux Falls. South Dakota, born and bred, worked his way up through the ranks. He was an offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois, at Eastern Michigan, at Indiana. These are not high-profile spots where he's working for big-time coaches, and he built that up to go to Fresno State and then have enormous success at Washington. So ultimately, I think they had a really, got a really solid hire here. Hutton, the question that I would have for Kalen DeBoer at Alabama, not can he get good players. I think any coach to Alabama is going to get good players and recruit well. Can he roll up his sleeves and elbow it out with the likes of LSU and Georgia and Florida and Clemson and these powerhouse Southern programs, Texas, Oklahoma now, can he do that? on a consistent basis to get the players necessary to not just win the SEC, but to win national titles. Because that is now the expectation for Alabama. I think whoever took this job, and I do think it's a good hire for Bama, but I think whoever took this job is going to be hard-pressed to make it four or five years or more simply because Nick Saban is so great and the expectation is so high that even if this coach does a solid job, it's going to look like disappointment to the fan base in the university. And maybe that's where Kalen DeBoer is. Maybe he's good enough to come in and win a national title in the first two or three years. Don't know. But regardless, I think it's a solid hire for Alabama.
0: And this ends up being uh, the the wrong timing for Washington because Washington and Troy Dannon, their their athletic director, while at the college football playoff, was openly saying, and they were discussing things during the season, Kalen DeBoer declined to negotiate a contract extension during the season at Washington. He said, let's wait till the offseason season. Let's get through this season. We're unbeaten. Let's just keep the momentum going. We'll worry about the money when it's time. Well, at that time, he was paid. He was the 44th highest paid Power 5 head coach. And he was the coach of the year for an unbeaten Washington Huskies team. Buyout is $12 million. They were going to add an extension to this where Dannon was openly saying, hey, we want to keep him. We understand where we need to be to, to meet expectations for high-caliber coaches that are going to be paid, we understand where he is. He was the seventh highest paid coach in the Pac-12 this season. And now he will get, what, expected $10 million plus in this deal with Alabama. And it was also admitted by Washington, hey, while this isn't going to be a, a contract extension, hypothetically, that is going to reset the market, it was one that was going to be extremely competitive. But whenever you're trying to be competitive with DeBoer, In an offseason where you know Nick Saban's still at Alabama, that's one thing. But as coaches decide to stay where they are, and DeBoer gets a phone call from Jimmy Sexton and uh, says, hey, Bama's interested, let's do this. You're not turning that down, even if you are going to the Big Ten. And now it's a hit for Washington. You're right about Sexton, though. He'll end up having his own client replace him at Washington.
1: Yeah, and now here's what I would do if I'm Washington. Um, I promote Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, to head coach right now. I offer him that job today and then work out the details with him. Keep in mind, this is kind of a full circle moment in an odd way. Nick Saban's first choice for offensive coordinator a year ago when he was replacing his offensive coordinator was Ryan Grubb of Washington, and he turned down Saban in Alabama to stay at Washington with Michael Penix Jr. and Adunze and all those great players coming back to make a run at the national title. That's what he did. And now he's got the opportunity to end up at Alabama regardless with his head coach. But if I'm trying to keep what Kalen DeBoer had done over the last two years going, I'm promoting Ryan Grubb, especially this late in the process for Washington. I'm trying to keep him there and keep him away from Tuscaloosa and just following Kalen DeBoer down there. So that's the way I'm going. If I'm, if I'm Washington, Um, crazy stat on Kalen DeBoer and just in terms of wins, he's won 11 or more games in seven of his nine seasons as a head coach. Now, this goes back to being a head coach at Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and NAIA, and then being a head coach at Fresno State for two years, and then two or three, and then Washington for two years. I believe it was two years. It's still a relatively short um, body of work, head coach-wise, in major college football for yeah. Kalen DeBoer. But there's no doubting the guy has won wherever he's gone and had to build it. From the bottom all the way to where he is now,
0: one of the premier programs in America. Well, just from the perspective of DeBoer, just lower-tier coaches getting an opportunity to work their way up. Yeah. Most of the time, ADs are very reluctant to do that, to dip down to the lower level and then higher up. Um, And there's no short—you have plenty of success stories with this. He was 67-3. and and then finally was able to, to make his jump. You know, you've got uh, Lance Leipold, who did this as well, uh, at Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah. So uh, there are stories like this, but uh, maybe this Chris leads to Chris at Kansas more. State is another yeah. one that, I mean, that's
1: you built it up.
0: that's just yeah. a winner. And I, I think the reason why done well. 80s don't do it, it's not a win-the-press-conference type hire. Right? Yeah. And, you know, you, now you've got a guy who was just the head coach of the Washington Huskies, who won 21 consecutive games. And the whole story with Michael Penix Jr. is awesome, too. From Indiana, they link back up at Washington.
1: And when Jimmy Sexton's your agent, you're going to be able to network, and it's Alabama, to get some Southern guys on your staff that have recruiting ties in the South. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. But you also have to balance that with you want your guys to join you. I mean, he's had his guys with him at Fresno State and then Washington. So you want those guys alongside. Here's where he's very much an outsider. Here is where he spent his entire life so far. Okay. He grew up in South Dakota. He played college football in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He is coached at a high school in Iowa, at South Dakota State, at Sioux Falls College, then at Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, and Washington. Those are his stops uh, along the way, and also Southern Illinois uh, for, for Kalen DeBoer. So um, nowhere has he ever coached even close to the South. Culture shock is what you're saying. Yes, and look, I don't think that he's this guy, but if I'm going low end, if I'm an Alabama fan and I'm getting nervous about this hire, one name comes to mind, Brian Harson, who has a very similar track record of only coaching in one part of the country. Oregon and that, Idaho. That got to Auburn and it was immediately, hey, this is not, <laughs> it felt wrong, right? It felt like a misfit situation Uh, from the beginning. So, yeah, that's what I would caution about. Um, By the way, Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, Indiana. I should bring that up also for Kayla DeBoer. Uh, The closest he's been to Alabama was at Southern Illinois, uh, geographically, and Indiana so far in his career. And he spent three years at Southern Illinois, one year at Indiana.
0: It's crazy, Chad, to think how just the the bar... Discussion. You know, you pull up to a bar, you're talking, you're talking college football. And the successor for Nick Saban, if it were to come up. The idea that it's Kalen DeBoer when it's all said and done is crazy to me. With all of the, the coaches that have been through Tuscaloosa. Well, we just would have assumed Dabo Sweeney would be the first call. I, yeah. Right? And, I don't, and uh,
1: Dabo Sweeney's name was never really mentioned in all of this. No.
0: But, but still, even the, you know, the Power 5 coaches that have been through there. You know, yeah. we never got to Kiffin. You end up with uh, Chris DeBall at Miami, of course, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart. I mean, all these different names, and it ends up being Kalen DeBoer. A
1: complete outsider who has no
0: tie to Nick Saban. Here's the other thing Kalen DeBoer's got to battle
1: when he gets to Alabama. Nick Saban's staying and going to have an office on campus. And in his interview with Reese Davis, he even said, I told my players that, hey, I can get on your butt from up there just like I can on the field. That's not a good situation for a complete outsider to walk into. The legend, the greatest coach of all time, if he's hovering around that program, that's not the best possible situation. He has every right to do that. I'm not saying they should kick him out of the facility or anything, but if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I'm hoping he's spending a lot more time around the college game day crew yeah. than my program. Simply because there's some mixed signals there. When you got all those guys on that roster that Saban recruited and that played for Sabin. When he's up in his office looking out the window watching practice every day and you've got a completely is, new coaching staff and way of doing things, they're coaching you now.
0: Is that part of the plan to keep the recruits there because Saban recruited them?
1: I think Saban was on the phone all day the last two days with
0: hey, recruits. I'm going to be around. I'm still around. Just
1: telling them, well, hey, also, they're going to hire a really good coach. Yeah. S- stay the course. It's going to be thing, fun.
0: And I, this was wrapped up within their 72-hour window. That's what they said they wanted to do. But with all the names and all the, you know, you've got all of the reports and the tweets and the, the, the statements and everything that they're staying, all the raises, this makes it even more peculiar. The way this went down from Saban's end abruptly, like the, the, the I won't say lack of a plan because they get it done. They get the college football coach of the year, but the, the stress level to immediately pivot and replace Saban within a three day time span and turn around and then try to keep Saban there in order to stay on the phone and keep your recruits. That was, and the fact he's interviewing a wide receivers coach right before he announces this to his team, very odd. That's the only way I can describe it. It's unplanned. I I know he said said he'd been thinking about it. Yeah, that he'd been going back and forth. It doesn't appear that way. But
1: he even said he second-guessed it the morning of, that it was happening. Like, up to the last minute, he was second-guessing himself on whether or not it's time and then just decided that it was time, even though everybody in his family he said it's healthy. It's odd. I mean, I think the back and forth of it is is strange, but I also don't think that's necessarily a peculiar situation for someone who's been around something that long, that you're going to be going back and forth in your mind and not really know exactly what you're doing for a while. I, I compare it to Coach K. I mean, Coach K went out with a one-year send-off where he's getting gifts yeah. from every school. He... Named his successor in John Shire the whole year. Everybody knew it was a tryout. Remember, even Coach K was out with illness or back problems a couple times. And there's John Shire there to coach, giving him audition during that season. Um, That's totally different than Nick Saban. Everyone's different. But what if Nick Saban would have said, okay, it's my last year. And, oh, by the way, this is going to be the next head coach in a similar fashion. That's how you just hand the baton over. And John Shire was able to get the number one recruiting class in America because of the way Duke handled it in the handoff to it where he was still recruiting everyone. Hey, it's the same program. I'm going to carry on Coach K's legacy. Saban could have gone about it that way. That's just not the Saban way. And, and Sabin also hiring the next
0: coach or handpicking his successor, I don't think was ever going to be the way he was going to do it. I just, I, I, I'm not saying he has to go to that extreme, but as meticulous as he is. With the oatmeal cream pie and, you know, every morning, every, you know, it's exactly the same time when you drive to work as a, just to, I don't know, it was very spontaneous to me. Yeah. The way the timing was when he did this.
1: Yeah. Because he's such a planner, you would think, hey, I'm going to do it one more year. He would have gone that Even, coach came out and or, said, here's my time frame now. I would
0: say at, at minimum, he would go about it to where he's going to do something on a certain day and, and kind of have a plan in his mind instead of second guessing it. Yeah. You know, like it not even announced that he's going to do it on a certain day to the public, just to his to his to himself. I don't know. It's like he he was sitting there and just decided, you know what, I'm tired of doing this. That I mean, it's not to that extreme either, but it it feels like that, especially with the way that Alabama's picking up the phone and calling every top coach right now in America.
1: Yeah, and because
0: normally you have that one guy I, ready to I, go. I,
1: I want to know it's a tough gig. I mean, it's yeah. going to be very difficult for Kalen DeBoer. Again, complete outsider. What does it say that he's No relationship it? with Nick Saban that we know of at all. Right. Come in there, and then if Nick Saban really is going to his office, I don't know he's going to do that. They say they're going to keep an office for him at the facility. I don't know he's going to be going in there every day or at all. But if that's the case, if he's still around the program a lot, going to games, that's a that's a tough spot. For Kalen DeBoer, and we know what the expectation level is now for Alabama fans. I've said this throughout. Alabama fans are going to get humbled in this process, regardless. Because Kalen DeBoer is not going to be Nick Saban. Say it with me. Kalen DeBoer is not going to be Nick Saban. I'm very confident saying Kalen DeBoer is not going to go down as the greatest coach in the history of college football when his days are done at Alabama. So Alabama's gonna have to live a lot like the rest of college football for a little while. Uncertainty, being okay with two or three losses occasionally, which is just an outrage with Saban as the coach. I mean, a down year was what, two losses? A yeah, year. That was ago? a retooling year. That was a rebuilding year, ten and two, finishing eleven and two on the season with a bowl win. Eleven wins. Uh, that's that that's a retooling year for Alabama. So you gotta you've got to look at the expectation where they are where they're going to go, and know that Kalen DeBoer is not Nick Saban. He's not.
0: As, as one, uh, one source told Yahoo uh, on replacing Nick Saban, doesn't matter who you hire, somebody's going to have to go in there and take an ass-whipping. And, I mean, in, in many ways, Bama was closer to that second tier of the, the teams that were chasing Georgia anyway. But Bama was always right there improving. And we saw with Saban, maybe his best coaching job on the way out in his final season. How crazy is it, what too, a turnaround!
1: at the same time, the coach at Alabama and Tennessee are from the state of South Dakota.
0: <laughs> you
1: got That's two guys nuts. from South Dakota coaching Tennessee and Alabama at the same time, which is crazy. Also, Alabama's first home SEC game under Kayla, Kalen DeBoer, Georgia, on September 28th.
0: And their road schedule, do you have that pulled up? Welcome
1: to the SEC. I'm pulling it up right now. Their road
0: schedule is brutal as well uh, for for Bama this upcoming season without the uh, East and West, without the divisions.
1: Yeah, Western Kentucky, South Florida at home, at Wisconsin uh, as a non-conference game. Then they get a bye week. Georgia at home, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at home, in Knoxville to take on Tennessee, Missouri at home, at LSU, at Oklahoma. So away from Alabama in year one for Kalen DeBoer, at Wisconsin, at Vandy, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma. Now, get to the playoff. I mean, the 12-team playoff, I think is still very doable for Alabama. But get through that while only losing one or two games, I think that's very successful. Very successful. They have two losses. That is a success for Alabama in year one for Kalen DeBoer. Do we really believe Alabama fans will see it that way? My answer is hell no. If they don't only lose one or none, that is success. Two losses won't cut it for Alabama fans.
0: What is from the, Chad, from the perspective of DeBoer choosing this and taking Bama over staying with Washington and, you know, I said earlier this week, as long as Washington and Oregon have DeBoer and Lanning, they're going to be title contenders with the 12-team playoff. They're right there, even in the Big Ten. Instead of, Going to the Big Ten with Washington, now deciding to jump into the SEC, into the fire immediately to be the next head coach of the yeah, Crimson I, Tide. That, that I, speaks I can, volumes.
1: I can see why, too. Um, it's still a very odd situation with Washington. Just geographically, going to the Big Ten, you know, new conference. I can understand why you want to stay closer to all your teams geographically in a conference, and it's Alabama. I mean, it's it's understandable why Kalen DeBoer would want to make this jump from Washington to Alabama. A couple of interesting facts about Kalen DeBoer. His daughter, Alexis, just signed with Washington to play softball a month ago. Um, so Alabama may be getting a softball transfer also. His daughter apparently is one of the top ten softball players in America coming out of high school, Alexis DeBoer, uh, just signed with Washington. Here's my favorite uh, fact about Kalen DeBoer. The man hit 520 with 10 home runs and 34 RBIs as a senior at Sioux Falls University or college or whatever it is, his senior year. He played one-year professional baseball in the Independent League with the Canton Crocodiles.
0: So that's what you're also getting with Kalen DeBoer, uh, the, the gray weather of Canton, different Canton? than Tuscaloosa. Canton? I don't even know if
1: it's Canton, Ohio. It could they, be another
0: uh, Canton. Who knows? Didn't, he, he has Will Rogers going to Washington, doesn't he, in the portal? Was that the transfer that was coming I in? I think so, yeah. to replace Penix. Again, I, I, think I, I, am,
1: I am promoting Ryan Grubb if I'm watching it and not even going with a search to try to hold things together and seeing if you can replicate some success.
0: Well, now he goes from Michael Penix Jr. to Jalen Milrow and a, and a Bama team that's returning a lot of their players. They've got a couple one offensive line. Of uh, one
1: of the players who's not returning as of
0: 20 minutes ago, Isaiah Bond, their leading receiver.
1: He was the first active player on the roster, not, not commitment, not recruit. Uh, that has entered the transfer portal for, Al- for Alabama.
0: So Mike Norvell, Chad, you said 10 million plus per year in this contract extension at Florida eight, State, eight-year extension, yeah, eight-year yep. extension, uh, decided to stay with the Seminoles, and after a year where the ACC ultimately kept Florida State from getting to the College Football Playoff, as well as an injury at quarterback, and at a school where they say they can't compete financially with the rest of the the power teams of college football, Norvell's choosing to stay, Florida State's ponying up, and they're also lawyering up, moving up this offseason. It's also a team that's now been slapped with some penalties based on NIL infractions, where they had their offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, who had impermissible contacts and facilitated this between a recruit and a booster for a collective pushing them to an individual with the collective and setting up the said player with $15,000 per month. If you will uh, go to Florida state and here's the guy that's going to do it with the coach there. So they have a, they have to disassociate from this person for three years and they have to disassociate from the collective for one, one year. However, the collective can continue to do whatever they want to do with the student athletes. Well,
1: this is an insane uh, penalty. First off, it's not damning or I- anything no. to, to Florida State, but three-game suspension for Alex Atkins, their offensive coordinator. And on top of that, he's going to have a two-year show cause. They're going to be on probation for for two years. Scholarship reductions, official visit reductions, uh, all of these things. Uh, for a coach introducing someone to an NIL collective uh, just seems insane to me, given the state of college sports over the last two or three years. And what has been going on. And that the NCAA, by not having any control over anything and hiding their head head in the sands for years, allowed all this freedom to take place. And now this is going to happen. It's just crazy to me. I also look at this and I think, if this is what's happening to Alex Atkins at Florida State and Florida State University for merely introducing a player to a collective to set up payment for one player, what in the world is Jim Harbaugh thinking about? These are level two violations, a level one violation of lying and misleading the NCAA that he's facing. This is separate of Connor Stallions. This is what the NCAA has always already said has happened with Jim Harbaugh. It could end up being
0: far worse for him, and that's one of the reasons he wants to go but they were already, to the NFL. Yeah, it could, but the, the three-game suspension, they were negotiating a four-game suspension with him at the beginning yeah. of the season, and then he refused to do the four, then they self-imposed the three after the NCAA stepped back and said, "No, no, we're not going to, we're not going to let you dictate what we're going to do." But it was reported four game, yeah, which was but around the, the this. four
1: game was for the the minor, the more minor infraction. That's when they were trying to plea it down to a level two. I think yeah. a level one's the worst to a level two, and they didn't. So then the NCAA came back and, and they, said, not only not enough, but it's a level one
0: violation for misleading us uh, during during the process. So, but. We do see coaches have associations with the collectives now. You just can't be – you can't introduce you can't said be booster to – can the one
1: that takes them to <laughs> the coll- – I, I don't know. I know. Who knows what the rules are? I, I guess the individual coach can't just hand deliver a recruit on a visit to the third-party collective. Here's what's also funny about this. This is uh, apparently kind of their, the second collective at Florida State, not the biggest one, <laughs> that's being hit with this. And all that they're saying they can't do is they can't, like, buy a suite. They can't contribute to the Florida State Athletic Department. But they can still rep athletes at Florida State. So I'm thinking, what kind of penalty is that? Okay, now I don't have to spend money with Florida State, but
0: I can still work deals with yeah.
1: athletes at Florida State. That's no problem.
0: It's just all kind of a mess. It was screenshots of uh, text messages and things, too, I believe, is what they add. Great. Uh, Yeah, I know. I mean, again, like, whatever. No no one cares. But to me, this is Mike Norvell saying Florida State's going to win. Florida State is going to win their argument, their battle, their war against the ACC, uh, the grant of rights, and the fact that they are going to get theirs. Because you can get yours at Alabama. If, in fact, they picked up the phone and said, hey, we want you to be the next head coach of the Crimson Tide. He said, I'm staying at Florida State. Or or he knows that DeBoer's getting it, and he has the PR push here by using it as a contract extension, but also he's able to release a statement saying he's staying with the Seminoles.
1: Well, if you can get $10 million a year to coach at Florida State in the ACC, regardless of money and all of that, you're going to be in the 12-team playoff every year. I mean, they're going to roll through. They're feasting on a weak ACC right now. So – Twelve team playoff now. I know the snub for the fourteen playoff, but they should be right there competing in that tournament but, almost every year. But if Norvell, Mike Norvell can
0: keep it rolling to that level, right? But the Norvell and company are admitting they can't based on the grant of rights and their their cut of the pie. Well, for the future, for the they're long
1: admitting term. they're they're at a long term disadvantage financially.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't mean that Mike Norvell in the short term isn't set up for success within the ACC. Well, being eight, one of the Power years 5 conferences. Long term to me, what but he but he's signed. Again, it'll be adjusted. He gets uh, he gets extended or he gets fired within that time frame. I get it. But if a I'm lot Mike is Norvell, going to change though, in this contract.
1: If I'm Mike Norvell, I'd much rather be following up the failure that was Willie Taggart and having had this undefeated season this last year and having built what and also gone through a rough patch to start yep. at Florida State. It wasn't all good to begin. Now you got no. it rolling in the right direction. I I would rather do that than than succeed Nick Saban the greatest coach in the history of the college football at Alabama. I'd rather stay at Florida State, do my own thing, hope that we can get out of
0: the ACC and and go uh you know go to the SEC or wherever. But that had to be in, I mean the the idea that you can go to Bama where you get anything and everything you need after being at Florida State where you're not getting what you need and your your university and athletic department you're admitting it. You know, your your board of directors admitting it to where it's going to be a, it, I mean, a knockdown dragout. Uh, lawyers will be paid, you know. Like, that that's also like I, to me. That just indicates that Florida State's all in and they're not going to lose. And I, I love that. I love the fact that Norvell stayed and did this. Yeah. But, but yeah. he also had the speech post game you know, after, you know, he's blown out. They're blown out against Georgia. You know, trying to keep his team. I mean, it was a, a tough spot. So. I respect the decision. I also respect the Florida State ponying up when they say they're you know they're poor, can't do it. Yeah, love to see the buyout though. Whenever he gets fired, and uh, they're crying poor about that too, because this is another another issue with these contract extensions. Sarkeesian, yeah, as well. it's,
1: uh, the buyouts are um, it's like the GDP of a, a right. bunch of countries in Central Europe or yeah. buyouts right now in college sports.
0: So How that's about, not so, going away. So we see the penalties levied by the NCAA to Florida State, right? How about the comment? from Charlie Baker saying that after he doesn't regret the NCAA helping the big 10 in their penalties and in their investigation on Michigan. And it says that Michigan, because of all this won it won the championship fair and square. How does that, if you're horrible, how do you view that the president of the NCAA is saying fair and square after the season that you had. And you're also looking at the penalties levied to Florida state for a level two violation. again, does that impact what Harbaugh may be doing?
1: I mean, I mean may- maybe. I think it could. I, and also, if you're Harbaugh, look, if you're happy in college, you just won your first national title, if you want to go pursue more, then you stay. I, I just, Jim Harbaugh seems like a guy who now wants to go win a Super Bowl. He wants to do what his brother's done. And that's yeah. going to be the motivation for him to leave. Yeah, I'll also right. go back but, to he's already got one level one violation. So there's one strike against him, and it's a huge one. And this against Jim Harbaugh specifically for lying to the NCAA. And we've seen how the NCAA treats those who lie to them. You're better off not saying anything at all or meeting with them. But when you lie to them, you mislead them. It's a problem for the NCAA. That is on top of what's happened with Connor Stallions. And what Charlie Baker is saying to me is we cooperated with them. The Big Ten levied this suspension. That's what happened then. They were eligible for the Big Ten Championship and the playoff. They won it fair and square because we cut out Connor Stallion. We found out what they were doing, and they went on and continued winning, and they won the tournament. So they are fair and square champions. I don't know that that is also him saying – because they're fair and square champions, he will face no punishment for the sign-stealing deal from the NCAA. I think they're two separate things we're talking about. Well, he won't. They're going to face something. Michigan yeah. will, I'm saying.
0: I know, but that, that's not fair to... That's not fair and square to the players of the future or Michigan of the future. Well, we're not talking about the future. We're talking about the national championship just won. No, I'm t- I know. I'm talking about the penalties that will be coming. Uh, fair and square, whatever, you know, it doesn't affect the, 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 the punishment that's going to be levied in the future, but it's not going to affect Jim Harbaugh. No, and, and, and it's that, not. And, and so that, that, I open the week by saying, like, NCAA, I, I, I will view... From here on out, Michigan has champions, period. Yeah, it'll, it will and affect
1: Jim Harbaugh if he stays. Right. But if he goes but, on to the
0: NFL, it's not going to affect him at all. But I, again, I don't know with, with all of this with the NCAA trying to act like they're in power and what we're going to see three years from now. I don't know what this version of power looks like and who's really who's coming up with the, the rule book. Here's, here's what we're doing as a collective super conference. That's coming down the road. Michigan will be a part of that. I don't know if Charlie Baker will. He'll be overseeing the rest. Um, You know? I I don't know what's going to be levied and what's not. And fair and square to me is just funny considering where we started the season and what the NCAA infractions committee was saying uh, publicly about Harbaugh and the the whole burger, the cheeseburger, hamburger incident. Wouldn't it be
1: hilarious if quickly they named Nick Saban as the new head of college football at the highest level? And I then it was it. Nick Saban in charge of ruling against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, who just knocked him out of the playoff. In his final game coaching, he loses to Michigan in overtime, and then suddenly he's put in charge NCAA or football for the NCAA, and they say, you have to levy the punishment now. It does, I, that would be amazing.
0: It does, the, does the fair and and square said, comment I, affect I him? I
1: find Jim Harbaugh. To be guilty, 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 and now he will receive the death penalty from college football and can never coach
0: again. This is the I, ruling from Judge Nick Saban. And this is also the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, who is saying that Michigan won at Fair and Square the day after Harbaugh is shouting from the rooftops, innocent, innocent, with an exclamation point in all caps. Yeah, I, I know we're innocent. That's how I can sleep at night. The next day, Baker is saying Fair and Square. Amazing.
1: We'll talk with David Cohn coming up later uh, about all of these issues. Uh, as a Michigan guy, he very yeah. much is on, on the side of you know Michigan is, is okay in all of this, and I, I'm
0: not so sure. Well, and, and also just from Harbaugh's perspective, there's the fair and square. There's the comment by Baker make a, a difference in whether or not he wants to stay. He's been taking interviews with the NFL for the last two years. Right, nothing's changed in that regard, and he's going. And to if you're going to leave, those leave now.
1: I mean, it's just now's the it's time. You're perfect. Right. Now,
0: he's got to get offered a job in the NFL.
1: He's got to do a good job interviewing, and someone's got to offer him the job. But if he gets offered that job, I believe he will be gone. I do, too. He just won a national title. All those seniors uh, that came back to win it are gone. He's about to get hit by the NCAA. He's
0: gone. Chad, the Browns and Lions are about to take football fans. America's darlings. They are. They're about to take football fans on an emotional roller coaster in the postseason. I think they're both winning this weekend. Uh, And as we move forward, that's going to be a great storyline for the NFL. And especially if your team's not in uh, the the postseason hunt, you're going to jump on the bandwagon here. These two franchises have been a part of the NFL for more than 70 years. And guess how many times they've won a playoff game in the same season? Zero. (laughs) Has not happened.
1: Oh, my God. They're
0: both in the playoffs for the same time. Uh, in the postseason, congrats, Tyler. Well done for the well first time since Good 1994, job. and here they are. Since '94, the Lions have made the playoffs six times since then. Bernie Kosar oh, ain't six. walking through that door anytime oh, soon. Neither the Scott Mitchell. Made the playoffs only twice since '94. They're one and two in postseason games, and this has happened since the Lions won a playoff game. The Patriots have won 33 playoff games. Three other teams, the Packers, 49ers, and Steelers, won at least 20 playoff games. And then there's Detroit, and here is Cleveland, two franchises that both went 0-16 in the same time frame. The Browns and Lions could go win playoff games in the same season for the first time of our lifetimes, if you just want to go there. Uh, It's a dreamlike possibility for fan bases that are starved for success. Long suffering fan bases who have stuck with their team, thick or thin, and there's been thin, a lot of thin. I'm all on board with this. Browns, Lions, I want to see this roll through all January and see where we can take this. And if not both of them, let's see one of them. Joe Flacco and Jared Goff, the two quarterbacks. And the quarterback issue at both of these franchises to think that it was Joe Flacco and quarterback number four that could do this. The last time we saw him uh have success in the postseason, what eleven years ago, he has 14 touchdowns to one or two interceptions as he becomes Super Bowl MVP with Baltimore. And then there's Jared Goff who took the Rams to a Super Bowl against the Patriots. Can he do it with the Lions and can Flacco do it off the couch? do it with Cleveland crazy let me,
1: let me begin by saying
0: this shame on you Detroit
1: Lions and Cleveland Browns okay this should never happen yeah your ineptitude should never ever happen it is a league that is perfected perfected a way to make everyone relevant in short order with their draft system uh there's penalties for being good and then you get a lot of benefits when you're bad there's a salary cap in play it's a hard cap. There's no luxury tax in the NFL. They have done the best job of making everyone relevant over time and giving you every opportunity to not be terrible. Top pick after top pick. Terrible for this long. It's awful. Horrible job by both these organizations. Also, uh, bravo, Browns fans and Lions fans. The ones that are left, I commend you. Because it's got to be really bad. I think there are a lot of them. Lions fans more so than Browns. Absolutely. More, I think there's more Browns fans than Lions fans. But Lions fans have been through it worse, I believe, than even Browns fans over the years. So hats off to all of you who stuck in there with your team and are going to see your way through yeah, even it. With- I, I am with you. I am all in. I would love to see a Browns-Lions Super Bowl more than anything else. But first things first, it is going to take... The Browns going to Houston, and we all know about the aftermath of the Deshaun Watson, everything else that went down with that with those two organizations.
0: CJ Stroud did not play in the game three weeks ago.
1: And then Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit with the Rams already winning one Super Bowl. It would be so cruel if that's the team to win in that environment Sunday night in Detroit. I I hope like hell that does not happen. Go Lions, go Browns this weekend. I wish you both luck. And also, shame on both organizations for being this terrible with all those stats hunting throughout hey, man, think over these it.
0: years. At least with the Browns, I mean, this is, I don't know which is worse. At least with the Browns, they had all of these awful quarterbacks, right? Time and time again. With the Lions, even though they have been at the bottom of the barrel for the NFL, they had two of the great, all-time great football players in the history of the sport, Megatron and Barry Sanders, yeah. who both retired early. And they still didn't win. They had Matthew Stafford, who leaves, gets traded, goes and wins a Super Bowl, but he couldn't deliver that in Detroit. And keep in mind with this aspect, it's not just Stafford. Jared Goff was also traded. He was looked at as a quarterback who could not win a Super Bowl. And now he has the chance to, you know, send Detroit into a frenzy if they win a playoff game and move on in the NFC. And the NFC, like, look at the top of it now. I mean, San Francisco went through that lull. Detroit went through their own. And then Philadelphia seems the dead on arrival. And we saw Detroit go toe-to-toe with Dallas and should have won the game late in their comeback bid. So I, I think it, as far as like how they stack up, they're, they're solid in the NFC right now.
1: Granted, both guys retired young. But between Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, they won one playoff game. With both those guys there. One one playoff game. It's like the Angels with Otani. And they've won one playoff game since JFK was president. Uh, That's been the Lions organization. Browns, uh, almost as bad. So, it's it's crazy to think about both these teams being relevant, (sighs) being in the playoffs this year, and the opportunity they have this weekend uh, to make something happen. I – The Browns thing, I want them to win. I really fear for the Lions that this is going to be the most cruel form of punishment ever for that fan base on Sunday night. I think they're ready to go.
0: I think it's a great game. I I, I don't think they come out flat.
1: I mean, I hope it is a purification of the soul and they win by about 30 points. I don't think they come out flat. In this game. I don't think they're going to come out flat. I just, it feels so
0: Lions that they're going to lose this game at home. Just don't turn the football over. Detroit's among the best in the league at protecting the football. The Rams are among the worst defenses in actually creating takeaways. Skill so, lines, Yeah, let's do it. And the storyline, where they live up to the hype of the offseason, right? And then you have Cleveland, who has Watson, and they end up in QB four with Flack again. And they lose Chubb. They're on running back number three right now. It's awesome. How would we play this in Vegas? Kelly in Vegas is about to join us. Uh, when we come back, I think the- she's
1: got something she wants to play with this game, in fact.
0: Okay, good. She's going to tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to make some uh, make some dough. We can play this as if the game's already kicked off, right? She's going
1: to let us know what's going to happen.
0: Uh, straight ahead on Hot Mind. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with that and with our rolls on here on slash watch. While you're at outkick.com, check out the store. Shop.outkick.com is where you can go for t-shirts, hats, polos, sweatshirts, and more. All the gear. Chad's favorite, Travis Matthews. Also, Kelly. Kelly's it. favorite, Travis Matthews. Most uh, likely
1: to yell at the ref, too. Yeah. That, that could that's be right. described
0: as, that's Kelly. Kelly yep. in a nutshell. Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas uh, joins us here on Hot Mike. Kelly, good to see you. How are you?
2: Hey, you know, I'm doing all right. Arguing with some uh, USC USV fans currently on the formerly known as Twitter. I mean, get your juices flowing on a Friday afternoon.
1: What do USC fans have to say to you? Why are they mad?
2: So it started off with a interesting debate. And I actually think Hutton and I had this debate when I was there in the studio, uh, whether the bears need to draw draft oh. Caleb Williams or whether or not they need to stick with Justin Fields, whether they're going to keep flus or not. It was kind of this whole encompassing debate. And obviously bears fans over the last, uh, you know, let's call it 48 hours have not been happy. Right. Ever got his contract uh, extended and not fired. And Looks like they want to stick with Justin Fields. And I kind of had my own opinion that I think they should trade back and maybe take an O-lineman or, you know, the best wide receiver out of college football this year, Marvin Harrison Jr. And it now has turned into that I hate Caleb Williams so far from the truth. I think he's just not a great fit for the Bears. And I'm not sure where he's going to be a great fit, if we're being honest.
0: And who knows if Caleb Williams even wants to play for the Bears, you know? Uh, I feel like he's got a list of demands
1: coming into the league that he's going to have. And it's funny you guys
2: say that because that's essentially what I said. And unfortunately I used Mike Florio as a source and now I'm getting uh, bodied for it because, you know, I get it. He's not exactly the most likable personality, but Hey, his agent did say prior to uh, finding out that they actually couldn't do that, that they would like to have a minority ownership in whichever team drafts him. That is a factual statement. It was said. Now, of course, it wasn't Caleb saying it. It was just somebody who he pays to represent him.
1: Um, Shall we give our our pitches for the weekend, Hutton? Go ahead. And and have Kelly uh, Kelly rate them. Uh, I'll begin. Um, Kansas City and Miami are about to play uh, in an ice locker uh, on Saturday night, right? It's going to be on Peacock. Everybody's excited to watch that game on Peacock, I know. Miami's not ready for this. Uh, They're not ready for this chill, Kelly. You, You grew up in Kansas. You know a thing or two about cold weather. They are not ready. And specifically, Tua Tungavailoa, who looks awful at times, is going to look like a middle school quarterback in this weather and in these conditions. And Miami has to utilize their speed and they have to have a quick air attack with Tua Tungavailoa to be successful. I don't think he's going to handle this weather well at all. Tyreek Hill is equipped for it, having played in Kansas City. He's saying he's not going to wear sleeves. He's saying he's man enough to go out there, bare arms and all, and play just fine. He might be right, but someone's got to get him the football. That someone is to it, not going to be able to do it. Give me Chiefs minus four at home against the Dolphins on Saturday night.
0: Hutton? I'm laying points as well, and I'm laying plenty of them. Nine and a half, Buffalo. I'm laying them against uh, Pittsburgh. I know the weather's going to be crazy. I just think it's a 10-point game at the end. I can see this 23-13, something like that. Uh, I like the Buffalo run game. They, they've got it. They've got it very good in, in that regard. And, I, I mean, Buffalo's the, the best team right now that I can point to that I have faith in based on the way they've been playing. So, yeah, I'm taking Buffalo, uh, and especially without T.J. Watt playing on the opposite side for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, they don't win games if he's not in. So, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Buffalo, and I think they, they win by 10. I think 9.5 when it, I saw this morning. Uh, it's worth playing here.
2: You know, Hutton's trying to piss off everybody that's rushing to bet the under, right? Was 35. He wants to land 36. Everybody's overreacting to this weather. Yes, win is the biggest factor when it comes to betting NFL totals. So that is something that I am looking at in Kansas City as well. I like the over here, 43 and a half. I played yeah. earlier in the week. It's forty-four and a half and a half now in a lot of places. And that's because I don't want to overthink this something I said yesterday on a different show was I need teams to pass the eye test for me. Right. At the end of the day, the math is going to be the math. The X's and O's are going to be the X's and O's, but some handicappers I know don't even watch the games. They say we get, we get enough information from the box score. Not I, you know what? The Kansas city chiefs have not passed the eye test for me basically since the bears game. And that's the infuriating part, probably being a chiefs fan. I will say, however, I am not taking the Dolphins either. I don't trust this team. I was on them to win the AFC East plus 295 last week. Kind of kicking myself about three weeks ago. I told Hutton, I was looking at the apps uh, there in Tennessee, and I'm like, oh, God, I could have had plus 220 on Buffalo, and now it's 180. And I went back and forth, and I, you know, sometimes you snooze, you lose. And I lost uh, with the Miami Dolphins. I got to go with Hutton here, though. Even though I don't disagree, I do not disagree that the Chiefs will probably win this game, which, by the way, 86.2% of the teams that cover also win the game. That is dogs or favorites. It does not matter. In the NFL playoffs, just pick the winner. If you like the dog, make sure you sprinkle a little bit on the money line. But I'm going over in Kansas City. Uh, One thing to keep noted there is the field is heated. It is the coldest game I've ever been to. You guys, I was freezing tailgating in the parking lot. I had to go to Bass Pro and buy extra clothes. I was so cold, but I will say this. It is not that cold, depending on which direction the wind is blowing. Again, the wind does affect the totals the most. But Hutton, I'm with you. 10-1 and against the spread. That is double-digit favorites in the NFL. That was the Buffalo Bills as an opening number. Uh, I agree. I think the Steelers are getting a little too much public love here in this one.
0: There have been six games in the postseason that have been played uh, below zero. And this seems like it could be one of them. Uh, It's expected to be minus four. Four below it could reach on Saturday evening. Uh, it's going to be cold. I, and, and having been there like you, and Chad's been to Arrowhead as well, like, you're right, it's heated. The steam that comes off that field like and two hours before, right before they have warm-ups is crazy. Uh, because you go, my, my phone in my back pocket was dead. 100% battery was dead before halfway, halfway through the first quarter. That's how cold wow. it was. I, I lost an Uber
1: because my phone died walking from the press box to the Uber station. It was so cold for the AFC oh, Championship no. game. This was four degrees. When the Titans were there playing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, it was, it was that bad just walking there and waiting on the Uber and watching the phone power
0: die because it's so cold. And if they, win, if they just beat Buffalo, they'd be hosting a game right now instead of having to play this weather. Yeah. We'd be having – we'd get the Bills, right, in this? I think so. Bills, Chiefs.
2: Uh, now they get the control. By the way,
1: Tua Tungabailoa, minus 118 to throw a pick. I'm also going to play that. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm that. gonna go with that minus one eighteen, throwing the pick and Chiefs minus bet, four. But Kelly, you might two. as
2: well add Josh Allen minus one twenty five while you're at it. That's sure. all but guaranteed as well. And I don't use those no, words well. lightly. But <laughs> it, Josh Allen is the gift that just keeps on giving. And hey, Joe Flacco, while he has been really great in the playoffs, eleven and four against the spread in the playoffs in his career, I think he's due for a stinker. Uh, so maybe put him to throw an interception while you're in there as well.
0: Well, it was three or four weeks ago, Houston played Cleveland, but CJ Stroud did not play in that game due to, uh, I think he was re- uh, recovering from concussion symptoms. How much does that play a factor in in this spread and how does it play a factor in how you play this game this weekend, Kelly?
2: You know, it's tough. Uh, whenever you have rookie quarterbacks and quarterbacks making their playoff debuts, You're kind of going, this is a tougher handicap. Uh, I chickened out. I put the Texans in a teaser with the Dallas Cowboys. So I took them up over that touchdown here. But I could also make a case for the Texans plus 125, depending on where you like the shop. This team has been great at home. Six and two against the spread in their last eight as underdogs. As far as the difference between CJ Stroud here and this one, I think it makes a huge difference. CJ Stroud has been by far the best rookie we've seen since, well, Patrick Mahomes. And yes, I'm okay with saying that because I have been very impressed with what he's been able to do. Obviously, he's probably going to win offensive rookie of the year. I do think that this guy who's thrown over 4,000 passing yards, 23 touchdowns and only five interceptions is going to get the win here at home. I am all about what Flacco did for the Browns. I know Chad wants to see the Browns in the Super Bowl, but I think they're going home with an early exit.
1: I want to see the Lions in the Super Bowl too, Kelly, but I'm scared to death that it's going to be the cruelest form of punishment ever in the NFL for Matthew Stafford and the Rams to go back to Detroit and then beat them after having already won a Super Bowl with that trade a few years back. What are you playing in this game?
2: Oh, I am not overthinking this one at all. And this is a very square play and not usually up my alley. Uh, We'll talk about the side real quick and then I'll tell you why I'm on the total. I think a lot is being made about Matthew Stafford's return to Detroit. Why aren't we talking about this team that snubbed Jared Goff after he lost the Super Bowl? Nobody seems to care that Jared Goff may have revenge on his mind, which is, by the way, a qualitative measure that we cannot quantify. So I don't know how to handicap who is going to have more revenge uh, I will say this. The Rams, kudos to them. They totally exceeded expectations for this year. Everybody thought they were dead in the water. They were going to be rebuilding. Pukunukua uh, also should have been uh, in high rankings for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. The kid has been an absolute, utter stud, but I think that it dies here in Ford Field. I like Dan Campbell. I like what he is capable of doing. This is going to be a coaching of the minds, but I don't think, we're going to see very much defense here. I think we are going to see offense, offense, offense from both sides. I made the game 31 30. I think it's going to be absolutely and utterly awesome. And I don't really care who wins because I just want to see an absolute and utter shootout here in Detroit.
0: And how much will we want to forget the matchup with Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, given that the Eagles, you mentioned uh, 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 the previous matchup dying. I, I feel like you've got uh dead on arrival for Philadelphia right now. And I'm, I'm pissed off about this game
1: it. is going to visibly look like uh, Jalen Hurts middle finger.
0: AJ Brown misses. The That's what's going to look like watching it. AJ Brown again misses practice today, so it doesn't look like he's trending towards playing in this. We take it yeah, Tampa? I think
2: it's, yeah, I took Tampa. Tampa's my best bet this week. I took him <laughs> plus three. Uh, how can I not? How can I? How can I take away the gift that the New York Giants gave me last week? <laughs> I got to cash. This team started out 10 and one and I got to cash under 11 and a half wins. (laughs) Like I should never complain to the gambling gods ever again after getting, and it was so easy. Has Philadelphia packed it in? We're going to find out. I don't know. I I hate how much love is on Tampa Bay as a dog here though, but Baker Mayfield is the dog in this situation. This man has been fighting for, to keep a you know, a starting position on a team. He has been playing at, I think a high enough level that they can beat this Philadelphia defense. I watched this game week three. I was on the bucks in that same scenario. Jalen Hurts, two interceptions. I saw it with my own eyes, and I'm going, Todd Bowles, you got to be able to capitalize offensively. And I was calling for his head. Now he's got his team in the playoffs here. I think they get the win. I just found out right before I went on air, I got free tickets to this game. All right. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a terrible game. It's going to be like a 2014 final. I'm going to be up there with, you know, a couple of margaritas by halftime, be like, did anybody score down there? yet? this That's, is getting kind of boring, uh, but I do think Tampa wins this one. Unfortunately, Eagles with their defensive woes, their injuries starting to pile up. I think Tampa Bay not only wants this one more, but is the more qualified team this late in the season. Yeah, Tim's
1: going to be slightly better in Tampa than, than in Kansas City and Buffalo. Just a little weather. bit, a little bit better. Good. That's they're saying up.
2: they're saying it might rain. He did call uh-huh. my buddy Jeff, was like, Hey, uh, do you want our tickets? I had them up for sale. Nobody's buying them. I go, Yeah, of course I want to go. So uh we'll see. I don't think the Tampa Bay fans are that excited for this one for whatever reason. Uh their fandom's a little funny since Tom left, but a little, little slight drizzle could be. Could be a little somber, I might be taking a nap by the third quarter.
0: Winning team with 20 points sounds like a, a Kansas City game uh, this, yeah. this season. Uh, you didn't mention Dallas, but Dallas, yeah, you play trends, right? You, you ride them. Uh, are you doing that with the with the home streak that Dallas is on now and the fact that Green Bay is also on a nice run?
2: Yeah, Green Bay was my best bet last week, guys. I apologize for missing the show. I had a bunch of family in town, so I took the day off. But it was not easy, but kind of how I expected that game to go. Not only did Green Bay own Chicago, but they proved that they owned them once again. Now, as far as this one goes, we saw this one come from seven to seven and a half to seven. That makes me very nervous. Very, very nervous. In fact, because whenever you move off a key number like that, that's some big time money. Uh, I think people are buying in on Jordan love here. I think people are not buying the Dallas Cowboy hype. I don't think either coach has, 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 the wherewithal to win a playoff game, at least not from what I've seen. And uh, that is a dig at both of them. But I wussed out here. I teased Dallas early in the week down to minus one and a half. I think they will win the game, which, as I mentioned, basically says that they're going to cover as well. But I think the Packers are going to give them a dogfight here. I think this one also could be an over shootout type game. So keep an eye on the total. Obviously, indoors, one of the only games besides uh, Detroit and LA that you don't have to worry about the weather.
0: Let's cash some uh, some winners this weekend, Kelly. Let's do it. It's time. I to love win. it.
2: Last last weekend was good. We got to keep it rolling into 2024 and uh, stay hot. Because, like I said on the fade this week, man, took a while to get the NFL train going this year, and uh, now that it now it's picking up speed, we got to capitalize between now and the yeah. Super Bowl.
0: Hot at the right time. That's right. Hot at the right time. Check out the fade with uh, Kelly and Clay Travis at Outkick.com. Uh, it drops each week. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much
2: thanks guys good luck this week
0: yep, same, to, same you. to you just like to in detroit us. it's to time us. to
1: win it's time to win with those picks it's time to win lines let's get it done
0: the new England patriots have a new head coach they do and there are still two coaches that have been highly discussed but we're still waiting to know where they're going to end up one of them mike Brabel. that's next on hot mic